Welcome to the discussion, How COVID-19 Changed the Course of Digital Transformation, sponsored by KPMG. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guest today is Lauren Knausenberger, the Air Force's Deputy Chief Information Officer. Welcome, Lauren. Always good to catch up. And obviously, congratulations on the promotion to Deputy CIO. Thanks, Jason. Always great to be here. Let me set just a little bit of context for our discussion today. The Air Force has been on an aggressive modernization journey, I'll say for the last two years, though maybe longer. The service has aligned its funding, its policies, its strategy, and its people to dramatically change the way it gets from out from under legacy systems and continues to have the best technology for its airmen and women and civilian employees. <clears throat> the transformation effort includes a host of initiatives from enterprise IT as a service to workforce training, to, to the use of zero trust principles and identity and access management to secure data. So where is the Air Force heading over the next uh, few years and what lessons has it learned from the previous few years? Well, that's where my guest comes in. Once again, Lauren Knausenberger, the Deputy CIO of the Air Force. Let's just jump right in, Lauren. What is the latest with the Air Force's technology modernization transformation effort? Give me the update. Sure. So, so there have been a lot of things that have happened over the last three years, and, and you've been able to uh, kind of follow some of this journey with me as it's happened. Um, so the things that are happening that, that are, are pretty good at this point, pretty solid, um, Cloud One has gone very well. We have an increasing number of applications there. Whenever we're doing new applications, they're going into Cloud One. And so I would say that you know, the Air Force really has leaned forward in getting to the cloud, which of course we all know is one of those uh, key amplifiers for digital transformation in general. Uh, we also have uh, all migrated into Microsoft Office 365. Um, and for the first time, uh, the Air Force and actually the entire DOD, um, part in thanks to COVID, um, we are all in collaboration tools, um, Microsoft Teams, um, and folks are working uh, in the offices at the Pentagon and at home, in their home offices, seamlessly using team rooms, using video calls. It's something that has never really happened before in the Department of Defense. So that has been incredible. Um, previously, that type of a work model was reserved for uh, the, the quote unquote innovation community, the Kessel Runs of the world, the Afworks of the world. Um, so that's been a really cool thing to, um, to level the playing field uh, with access to those collaboration tools. DevSecOps continues to have a lot of really great progress. We have the Platform One team that's providing enterprise-wide DevSecOps tools and processes. Everything from you show up as a developer and you're ready to deploy your first app, um, onboarding you into the platform, giving you all the tools that you need to do your job. And within two weeks, you could be deploying an application with an authority to operate all the way through to production. And in the Department of Defense, again, that is huge. Um, you've heard all of the horror stories about how long it takes for us to accredit things. We have built this thing um, in such an incredible way. Everything is automated. You have the tools, you show up, you push it to production, good to go. Um, and that's at multiple levels of classification. So that's been, that's been pretty incredible. Uh, we are investing more in artificial intelligence. We have our guys uh, up at MIT um, who are working on an accelerator model that brings in the best of academia, the commercial world, and the military, um, as well as the, the lab uh, community, um, to work together on artificial intelligence on a variety of really compelling use cases that um, will not only help the military, but help society writ large. Um, and that, that has been a pretty exciting project. 
On the enterprise IT side, I have to tell you, there, there's been some really great work done, um, but it is, it's where it, it concerns me the most that we have done so much incredible work up the stack. We've had a lot of attention up the stack. We've moved to the cloud, we're leveraging AI, and in pockets, we continue to do incredible things. Um, we did a demo a few weeks back where we tracked a cruise missile in real time and took it out with a hypervelocity gun, pretty much using AI in our own cloud and uh, using AR and VR for the, the techs that we're going through. And we had a room full of generals that were just cheering like it was like the best football game you've ever been to. Um, and these kids, you know, with their AR VR goggles, I mean, they're tracking this missile like it, you know, they're just loving this very cool video game. Um, but at the end of the day, we have not invested at the bottom of the stack as much as we need to. Um, it's not sexy, it's really hard to do, it's expensive but our infrastructure continues to suffer. And so as CIO, I am now laser focused on that bottom level, that network, the transport layer. How do we make sure that when we go to follow that cruise missile, 100% of the time at every Air Force base around the world, do our commanders know that they are going to have the consistent bandwidth to follow it? So we have enterprise IT as a service, we're doing some great work with uh, Microsoft and AT&T, have pilots going on at a few bases where we're gonna ride commercial pipes. You know, folks have said, hey, I don't like the DOD networks. Great, we're gonna see what Microsoft and AT&T can do and just jump to the future. Um, the problem is sometimes you have to hop in your DeLorean and go back to 1985 and you have to go get something that is still imprisoned within the AFNET or within the Doden. And it's quite a rescue mission sometimes. Um, and so we've had teams that have done some incredible work in streamlining transactional paths. Um, we're having some teams go through and get rid of extra hops that we don't need in terms of like proxy servers, for instance. And uh, we're also doing some really great work across multiple agencies and services at busting through policy. And so my goal is to see all of that just end to end to have a subset of airmen and commanders just literally clicking their heels together because they did not know that IT could be this great. They did not know that they could be this enabled, that they could have everything they need to do their job easily at their disposal. Because I got to tell you, our military, these are the hardest working guys I've ever seen in my life. And when I say guys, I mean guys and gals. Um, it, it's incredible what they will do, um, but we make the easy things too hard for them. And they didn't sign up to fight bad IT. You know, they signed up to fight bad guys. And so anything that I can do as CIO uh, to, to help them to fight their mission, I want to do that. All right, ton to unpack there. Let me start with the pandemic a little bit because I think that's one of those topics that continues to come up at a lot of conferences and a lot of events that I go to, but how it's impacted IT modernization. You mentioned this idea of DOD's all on a single platform. We've all moved to Office 365 as an example. Now we have the uh, seamless collaboration tools or video calls. Do, is, there, is there other downstream effects, whether on Cloud One or EIT as a service or DevSecOps, or has, the, or has it been the opposite where because of the need to be more digital, to get more things online, the pandemic's actually pushed things faster? So the pandemic has done both. Um, there were a lot of things that we did have to halt because of the pandemic, but overall, I think that the the cultural transformation and the leveling of the playing fields helped a lot. Um, because unfortunately, you know, a lot of our airmen 
Um, they're out in the field. They know that things are broken and they're trying to do things on the move. But a lot of us back at the Pentagon, we have comm teams. You know, we have devices that work. Um, if a senior ranking official says, oh, something's wrong, like it gets fixed fast. And so, but we have to make it, you know, equal to everyone. And, and coronavirus made it equal for everyone. Everyone was at home trying to figure out how to make this work. Everyone realized that those airmen that have been saying for years that like, man, it really stinks. Um, such an understatement when I'm not in the building trying to do my job. And so all of a sudden day one of COVID, um, I've said, I, you know, I said the other day we had 20,000 VPN connections at, at the uh, beginning of COVID. I had to go back and fact check myself. It was 7,000 VPN connections at the beginning of COVID for 650,000 people. So, I mean, right there by the numbers, we were not poised for telework, but we had an incredible team. You know, we told the IT team, look, this is your time on the front lines. You got to get everybody up fast, act like you have money. And those guys went out and they got us up to 400,000 VPN connections. And they got us down from 40 hops to send an email, which is ridiculous. Um, but because they were funded and they had such focus, they got us down to eight hops. So you can send email so much faster than you used to. They cut through some of the legacy just because we said, guys, this is your mission. Go do it. We're going to fund you right now. And so that level of focus, that level of cultural change, I don't think anything else would have done this to us short of a war. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, COVID, COVID is kind of the crisis that we need to really drive forward, the digital transformation, and we're trying to not let a, a crisis go to waste. I heard that. I've heard that so many times throughout the last six months from uh, CIOs like yourself who have said, it's in, in some ways, that, that's the silver lining of, of this whole pandemic is how non-IT people realized, hey, this IT thing is kind of important and I can't do my job without the ability to connect back to the network, to get on the network, to have a laptop, just the simple things. But you mentioned at the beginning that there's some, a few things that had to slow down or had to be stopped. Is that, are those efforts starting to pick back up now? Or is that still something that we'll see what the budget looks like in, in 2021 and we'll see what other kind of resources that can be kind of pulled together to, to continue some of these uh, transformation efforts? So, a lot of those efforts have picked back up um, and you have people kind of doing, you know, blue team, gold team, um, kind of rotating who's in the office and who's not. And there were a couple of migrations that, you know, that we didn't get to finish before COVID that now we're able to do, you know, they did require a, you know, a heavier touch from people. Like we were in the middle of upgrading people's cell phones, you know, that actually does require a team to procure the phones and configure them and hand them out, you know, things like that. Migrating people to our more secure Office 365 environment, we hadn't completely finished before COVID. And so, and that also requires uh, higher touch for some of our senior leaders. And so, um, you know, those types of things were held up. Um, some of the classified meetings were held up and, and, and there are classified meetings that, that have to happen between engineering teams sometimes to drive forward some of our more complex digital initiatives. And so those were held up for a period of time and are just now getting back on track. And um, I think we're prioritizing really well, quite frankly, on which of those meetings need to be classified, which of those need to be in person and which ones can we handle virtually and which ones are not quite as important. Um, where can people just run? Um, but, but ironically, um, our IT budget is actually going down, um, whereas the rest of industry, you know, people have 
spent a significant amount of additional money in IT, even moving forward into the next few years, because they see that we permanently need to be spending more, that digital will take over, that better processes will, in some cases, mean lower headcount. Um, but our, our budget is shrinking somewhat. And so I think that we'll, we'll have a reckoning sometime in the next year or two where it's just like, all right, you know, we, we have not committed the spend to what uh, we need to do. We have to do it now. Um, it then becomes a budget crisis. Um, and then that'll kind of be the next, the next round in the battle and see what we've done. You bring up this idea of budget and let's just go there for a second. Does, is, has the Air Force done a decent job of getting out from under technical debt? And, and is there the concept of O&M operations and maintenance versus being in the constant state of DME or incremental development? How, how do you view kind of the technical debt versus the, the, the incremental development? Well, I'll give you an analogy um, to get there. So when we build airplanes, we're very willing to wait 10 years or more to see the airplane be built. We're very willing to spend a lot of money up front to get that design right. Um, we don't seem to have that same litmus test for completely redesigning our networks. And so, um, you know, we're, we're going through with ITAS right now, you know, we have a, a great new design, but because we don't have a full jet yet, you know, it, it's kind of like that constant, let's, you know, kind of milestone it. And so I think because our budget picture gets, you know, tied up sometimes because, you know, you can't jump to the, jump to the future in one fell swoop. Um, we have to go much more slowly than, than we should. And I think also in the federal government, we, we have a hard time sometimes realizing that things take a lot of upfront investment and that there is a period of time over which that pays off and that it takes several years before you hit that break-even point. And so we're at the point where we either have to spend a whole bunch of money to basically give you know, crutches to our uh, ailing infrastructure, or we have to spend a good amount of money to completely blow it up and start over. And I haven't seen from a budget standpoint, us go all in as much as I think we should be. Um, but I think that uh, some of the successes that we're able to demonstrate here in the near future uh, on the infrastructure and people coming to that realization that you don't get to decision advantage, you don't get that faster loop. You don't get that machine driven insight um, that drives your joint all demand command and control unless you have a network that is almost 100% up. And the thing is moving to the cloud is incredible. Um, and I also think it's hilarious how uh, we sometimes talk about it. There, there are still executives out there that think that because we moved to the cloud, it solved everything. But what it means is, yes, we have this incredibly flexible environment that gives us so much more possibility, but we're no longer just running that on our computer in our office or the server down the hall. We now need almost 100% uptime to connect to that cloud to do all those amazing things. And what's even funnier is during COVID, you know, our, our user experience scores are going way up. People are at home. They're on their Fios and people pay their Fios bill. But a lot of times in the military, we're on dial-up. And we're kind of saying, well, but, but what do you mean it costs more to go from dial-up to Fios? You know, so we have to kind of wrestle with that or to go from the flip phone to the iPhone. So we're, you know, we're, we're kind of wrestling with this new world that's just not industrial. And we thought that we were there and we've done all these great things. Um, but we have to show that long-term commitment that we're really serious and make the hard choices.
Uh, Lauren, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. You're listening to the discussion at Modern Government, how COVID-19 changed the course of digital transformation, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network. Is your agency feeling the pressure to modernize? A new app isn't enough. Becoming modern requires rethinking the way you operate. At KPMG, we help agencies optimize their business functions, enable the workforce with digital platforms and tools, and protect critical assets from ever-changing threats. Meet current and future mission requirements by continuously improving and constantly adapting with KPMG by your side. To learn more, visit kpmg.com US federal. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion of modern government, how COVID-19 changed the course of digital transformation, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Lauren Knausenberger, the Deputy CIO of the Air Force. Now, Lauren, before break, you were talking about a lot of the efforts around the, the digital transformation, the IT modernization effort. You mentioned a whole host of ongoing initiatives, Cloud One, Platform One, investing in AI, Enterprise IT as a Service, as an example. A lot of what you talked about is stuff you have accomplished. So maybe just walk me through a little bit about what's 2021 look like? What, what are some of your big goals for 2021 beyond, if you can, the stuff you've already done? Absolutely. Um, so priority number one, build the rock solid digital foundation on which everything relies. So I told you about all those awesome things. None of those awesome things get to scale without that solid digital foundation. And so some of the specific things that we're doing in there, we're driving through on ITAS, talk to you a little bit about that. We have some really great zero trust uh, pilots happening right now. Um, and a lot of that, of course, um, really has a cornerstone in ICAM. And so we're really getting after, after that as well. Um, getting people to be able to work wherever they want to work on whatever device they are on. Um, you know, that's another big piece of that. Um, and then enabling airmen with the knowledge and the tools that they need to operate in this digital future that we're building. Um, really the digital future that already exists uh, in, in the rest of the world. Um, and so along those lines, uh, we're investing in Digital U and uh, we already have 9,000 airmen in Digital U um, and they have access to all they can learn about any of these uh, new career fields, data science, AI, uh, cybersecurity, they can do user-centered design. Um, you know, there are just, there are so many things there, software development, and it's just, you know, it's at their, at their fingertips. And it doesn't matter what their current job is, you know, they could be doing anything, show up, take an assessment. We can see that like, like Steven Seagal in Under Siege, we can see where our, our best fighter is the cook. You know, it, it, it really doesn't matter what they're doing today. We wanna know what they can do. Uh, in the future. Um, and then we're going to use all of that data to take a look at what our digital inventory is as an Air Force and where we need to be pulling airmen from doing something that is not as much in line with their skill set as it could be to really drive the Air Force forward. And then meanwhile, you know, we can't develop a bunch of snipers and then hand everyone a knife. Um, so we have to give them the tools that they need to do their job. And so we're trying to do a better job of surveying our airmen on what are those tools that you really need. Um, Tableau is a huge one. A lot of people were having to create their own visualization tools for a period of time, which, you know, we can say, hey, that's nuts. You know, let's just get you a visualization tool. And so we're making sure that they have the tools and we're trying to make it more affordable by negotiating enterprise buys and being a little bit more disciplined within a category and make it easier for airmen to get access to those tools. 
And then finally, we're going to ruthlessly attack manual process, policy, hardware, anything that is in our way of going fast, especially if it is costing us money and slowing us down. We are launching Operation Flamethrower, and that's because we want to be very, very graphic that we are burning these things with fire. They, they have no place in our Air Force anymore. And so one of the big things that we just kicked off is robotic process automation. We had our digital wingman challenge in the spring. We had airmen come up with some incredible ideas. Um, so we had, uh, we had folks automating their executive functions where they had to do crazy things like go to multiple databases and put them into PowerPoint. They're completely automating that. Any type of standard report, automating that. Sometimes when they have to re-enter things in multiple uh, systems, they're automating that too. Flight scheduling. Um, there are so many things. And, and with that, I'm looking forward to in the short term really enabling more airmen. Um, we've invested a bit more in RPA. Um, but even more exciting, we'll be able to use that data to see exactly how much time we're wasting with crazy process and crazy software. And that will help us to focus our spend on exactly what parts of the software apparatus that we have to fix permanently, um, rather than RPA, which is kind of a, a workaround to really get it, you know, what's in our way. Um, and so those are all things that, you know, that we'll be doing over the next year. We'll be doubling down on user experience as well. Um, you know, coming into this job, I, I wanted to be the innovation CIO, um, but I realized that I'm going to be the data CIO. Um, and, you know, we just, you know, just in the military, we don't always operate like a business and we need to more. We, there are several data points that we're going to have to be more disciplined about collecting. Um, user experience and network performance, those are two. Um, cost is, is another. And so really those three measures are how I'm going to be grading myself. And uh, so going through and making sure that we all have the data that we need to make smart decisions and that we have the data to hold ourselves accountable. Um, so that's, that's what you're going to see. And, and I believe that through doing all of those things, we are going to better enable airmen. We're going to be listening all the time. Um, I will be listening all the time, as I have over the past three years, to our airmen and to our commanders. And we're going to go and we're going to knock things out of their way. And once we see that we had to knock it out twice, we're going to fix it for everybody. When you mentioned Operation Flamethrower, I thought you were going to tell me you're burning the bridges behind you, too, that, you know, once we're going to figure out which policies, which roadblocks, whatever it is, and we're going to flame through it and then not look back. So uh, absolutely, I, that was one of the things I thought you were going to say. But I think that that's really what you're getting to is understanding what those challenges are. Uh, I'm interested to talk a little bit maybe more about user-centered design and user experience. Uh, one of the key pieces of DevSecOps, obviously, is to understand that, that, that journey. Are you applying that concept to other places within the CIO's realm? So I, I would say that we're trying to apply it more to everything that we do. Um, I mean, to me, user-centered design and design thinking in general is, is really about how we enable people and how we approach problems. And so I'm actually encouraging as many people as we can uh, to go into Digital U and just take a class on design thinking um, and, and really kind of going through in a different type of creative process as we come up with problems and can solution together and, and maybe expand what our typical you know, toolbox would be to go after solving these problems. Um, so yeah, with software development, it's, you know, it's an easy parallel. I have a user, they need to use some software. I'm working with them to draw out what they really need, you know, not in a requirement, but what are they trying to do and how do I enable that? Um, but it's the same thing for IT. 
Um, you know, you as an airman, you as a commander, you as an executive, you are trying to do something with your mission. How do I enable you to do that mission better and more effectively and more efficiently and without, you know, just really, really unnecessary noise? Um, and, you know, the unnecessary noise in the DOD is pretty deafening. We're getting much better, um, but, but it's still a, a pretty steep hill. Any thought yet about creating some sort of organization within your CIO's office? Uh, sometimes you think of it's customer service, sometimes it's customer focused, S some way to kind of say, okay, how do we draw that feedback on a consistent basis from our customers, whether it's the CFO's office or whether it's the, the you know, pilots? Yeah, I'd say we're actually, we're doing that better than we are at collecting some of the other metrics. Um, we have surveys that hit everyone's desk um, at least once a week. You know, people can kind of say, you know, happy face, frowny face, tell me more. Um, and, uh, and we're also rolling out user experience software at the glass. Um, so that's kind of the next thing. In, instead of asking users, let's see what's actually happening at the glass. Is that is one application slow? Are all of them slow? Is the entire network slow? Um, and that'll help us to look at not just the user experience piece, but also where where is that bottleneck that maybe we didn't even know about that's on the network that is gunking up the works? And is it an enterprise issue? Or did someone at a base do something crazy with a firewall? Um, I mean, these are all really like super boring things to kind of, uh, you know, hey, it's a firewall. You don't get excited about hearing about a firewall. Um, I mean, in Zero Trust, of course, we want to burn down the firewalls with Flamethrower too. Um, but, you know, right now, those are the types of things that are in our way. Those, you know, those super mundane things that, you know, you wouldn't think would be so much part of the threat, but they are. Lauren, we're just about out of time. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I just want to hit upon one quick thing, real quick, about the workforce side. And Digital University, you mentioned about 9,000 people taking classes already or signed up to take classes. What's the one thing that you can do to get people ready for this transformation? Because in, in a sense, you're going to really move some cheese. Yeah, so a lot of the workforce is ready. A lot of the leadership is ready. We have a lot of the training in place. Um, what holds us back is that, in, in my opinion, is we haven't also looked at the places, the things that we can stop doing, and maybe some of the, the job categories that we kind of need to transform into this new world. And so it, it's really hard actually to say, oh, I need a thousand developers, let me create a thousand billets. We have a fixed number of billets. So what are those things that we're going to transition so that we have more software developers and data scientists and AI engineers. Um, and so that, that's kind of the tough thing. I, I think we're doing a great job of training people. We're doing a better job of equipping them with digital tools. We're doing a, a, a you know, much better job you know, than even three years ago at driving outcomes using all of these things. But that, that workforce piece, literally finding a billet to put someone in, that's tough. And we can do it with contractors, but at some point we have to own our technical baseline or at least have enough people to be able to drive it. Sounds like a challenge most agencies are facing as well. Unfortunately, we're out of time for today. Let me thank my guest, Lauren Knausenberger, is the Deputy Chief Information Officer at the Air Force. Lauren, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Jason. Always a fun time.
I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion, Modern Government, How COVID-19 Changed the Course of Digital Transformation, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network. Tune in next month for the next show in the Modern Government series. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search KPMG. Thank you for listening to the discussion, How COVID-19 Changed the Course of Digital Transformation, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network.